Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you've had a great week and it's been another action-packed week in the National League. So joining us to look over it is Rob Oberl. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And also here with us it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Rob. Morning, Dickie. We're just going to head briefly back to midweek. There was a, a massive game in the National League between Chesterfield and Wrexham and it looked like the home side were going to run out winners because they, they battered Wrexham first half. It somehow finished nil-nil at half-time. Then Wrexham went out and won by two goals to nil. And we said last week that they'd maybe been a bit under par, but that was a big statement result for Wrexham, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, and, 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 they, and they found a way to do it, didn't they, after being under quite a bit of pressure for Chesterfield. I think a decent hour by all accounts from Chesterfield as well in that game. But uh, unusually for them this season, they couldn't get a goal to back that up. And uh, I think that's where the quality of Wrexham's uh, defence on their day um, really stood them in good stead. Um, as, we'll, as we'll hear in a bit, I got to, uh, to look at them uh, on Saturday. And uh, I think we talked a lot about their attacking talents, Wrexham, but uh, they're pretty good at keeping the door shut at the back as well. And even if they are, uh, you know, beaten, you still got Rob Layton there, who's in probably the form of of, of his life. Uh, really, really tough one uh, for Chesterfield in the week um, on the back of every other blow that their club and their fans have taken over the last month. Yeah, and down at the bottom as well, we know all about Dover's travails. Well. Aldershot played Dover on Tuesday and Rob caught up with his fellow BBC colleague from BBC Kent, Matt Gerrard, just to talk about Dover's season in general and what's next for them. I'm at Aldershot Dover midweek and uh, an opportunity to catch up with my BBC colleague, Matt Gerrard. Uh, Matt, we normally have a little chat. Good to, to see you. And you too. Um, I, I said to you in a text earlier, I feel for you. It's it's a long, difficult season for, for Dover and... Uh, uh, what I was wondering is, in, in light of the fact that clearly at some point they're going to go down, what are their small goals and victories for Dover? Is it uh, a point, a clean sheet? I don't mean specifically tonight, I just mean week in, week out. I, I think basically there's probably two things they're probably aiming for. One is to get to plus points and then maybe to try and beat when um, Hyde went down. I think it was Hyde, wasn't it? They went down on um, 10 points. So if they get to 11 points, I think you've got it 16 points from the next 16 games or something like that. To do that... And we need a little bit of momentum going into next season when we go to Conference South. And I, I think a lot of Dover fans are not expecting us to come bounce back, but they would like to see some win a few games of football because that wasn't happened. You know, we competed, but we just haven't been good enough. Um, it's a long, hard season. Um, yeah, the, the worries and whereabouts. I think a lot of the fans agree with the decision not to carry on last season, but we just had no momentum all season. It was a great when they won a game. I'm sure they will win more games before the end of the season, but it is what it is. We'll go again. We've still got a football club and that's the most important thing. And uh, we're speaking at half-time. It's nil-nil here and the game's playing out as we thought it might. Both sides, as soon as they lose possession, going into a low block and then making it hard for the other one to break them down. Um, little positives. I guess individually players are in the shop window, aren't they? Whether it's for a contract with Dover or another team next season. And Alfie Pavey up top hasn't really had any 
just the one half chance probably this evening and he ballooned it high onto the East Bank roof but he'll be benefiting I'm sure from being at, at least at a club where he knows he's going to be picked week in week out something he's struggled a bit with uh, competition for places at the last couple of clubs yeah he's, he's loans up at the end of the month they've got to decide they're going to continue to the end of the season I don't think he'd get any game time at Maidstone so he's done alright but you've got to you know, he's not going to run all day, but you've got to feed him the ball. You get the ball wide, put it in the box, and he will attack the ball. So sometimes it works, but you've got to play to his strengths. Because at the moment, he's a little bit isolated up front because he'll win the ball, but there's nobody around him. As Matt and I are talking, Mr. Scott Rendell's just wandered by, and, and you know, there's been a few whispers and rumours at some point if he might come back to Aldershot, and some fans saying, oh, it's, you don't, don't want to take a step back. But both of these sides could do with someone like that to really hold the ball up, bring the others into play. And uh, Andy Hessenthal, I can't speak highly enough of him, really. I mean, just first and foremost, the fact that he's still at the Crabble. Yeah, uh, some of the supporters would think that maybe it's time for him to move on. He still hasn't sort of confirmed if he's going to come back next season or what they're going to do. The club really haven't confirmed that as well. And at some point, probably when they get relegated, they need to have a plan what they're going to do next season because Conference South is a tough division. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, we're not expected to bounce back, but we just need a, a club that we can go up to, you know, people, fans can go and watch and be competitive because we haven't been competitive enough this season. And when the National League, whatever you think of that decision, uh, decided on a 12-point deduction as well as the £40,000 fine, did they pretty much condemn Dover to a long, slow death? Uh, yes, probably. Um, we, you know, the momentum was there for the first game. We were expecting a big crowd. Then it was called off for COVID and we've never had any momentum to it. You know, if you don't fulfil your fixtures, you're going to, you know, I've got no problem with the minus 12 because you can't withdraw. So the, the, the fine of 40,000 does great a little bit because we don't want to, we wouldn't have, um, that cost us going for players in and we've got, you know, our budget is nothing. But mm. we'll go again and we'll see what happens. And the most important thing is to so say, we've got a football team and we'll bounce back and, you know, Football's cyclical, isn't it? We've had our good times. We'll go back into South and we'll have our good times again. It's just one of those seasons. If you didn't smile, you just cry. So we just came <laughs> on smiling. I'm going to end on a positive. Matt's very much involved with the uh, Kent non-league podcast yeah. and belated congratulations for coming third in this season's Football Content Awards, which was ahead of us, listeners. Second we got. You got second. second I, I beg you put in. Yeah, yeah. I beg you put in. But, yeah. Kent, yeah, but go talking about Kent football, it's... Uh, Doing really well at the moment. You look at the National League South, Ebsleet, Dartford, Maidstone. Could be replacing one of those sides in, in the thing. So, Kent football's in a very good place at the moment, the non-league side. Um, you've got Folkestone doing well, Margate going up. So, it's a bit of a hotbed of football down there and um, in our little garden of England. So, we're doing all right. And hopefully, one of those sides can get promoted back into this division as well. And Dover managed to get a good nil-nil draw in that one, didn't they, Rob? Yeah, I mean, they'd have taken certainly more positives out of that result than Aldershot did. Um, and really, to be blatantly frank with you, that's about as much as we need to discuss of that game because okay. it's one of the <laughs> it's one of the most forgettable games I've ever watched in football. Wow. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> well, let's move on to Saturday then. <laughs> yeah, as Rob said, we'll move swiftly on and on on Saturdays. Results, Stockport are still top. They beat Weymouth, but they needed an own goal in the end. So the find, at the start of Dave Challoner's reign, they were blowing teams away with lots of goals. Now they're finding different ways to win, aren't they? Oh, 100%. And uh, you probably saw in the WhatsApp group, I, you know, I hadn't listened 
to the uh, Chaloner interview that we're going to play in just a minute. And I said to Chris, oh, he'll probably be happy, won't he? Any managers up the top end this stage of the season, they'll love a 1-0. Um, and uh, he'll be pleased with a clean sheet, I'm sure. We'll listen to what he's got to say in a minute. But listen, um, Stockport are there now. They're there to be shot at. They can't go under the radar. Um, they, they, they've taken pole position. Uh, at the beginning of the running, if you like, and uh, every three points and, and, and on, on occasions, every point that they pick up, you know, particularly away from home, will will take them nearer to that, that goal. They're certainly the best placed of all those teams up there um, to contend for it. Yeah, let's hear what Dave Challoner had to say when he spoke to Chris after the game. Dave, fourth consecutive 1-0 home win at home in four consecutive Saturdays. How did that one compare to the others? Um, much the same if I'm honest I'm at, listen, first time I'm probably disappointed with certainly our second half performance I was really happy with our first half performance without going too over the top I thought we played with real intent and, and purpose and, and should have scored probably more than what we did that last little bit in the final third let us down and credit to them they defended well second half I, I thought we were we, we were off it um, and felt Edgy made some poor decisions, technique let us down, um, and, and that made the game tougher than than what it what it should have been for us. Credit to to them, they had nothing to lose and sort of all, all of a sudden have a have a go. Um, but focusing on us, like I said, I was dis- disappointed with our setting off. I mean, is it difficult? We we can see from from high up, they've got five at the back and they've got two in front, so there's almost seven men you've got to get through. So it's a it's a similar challenge every week at the minute. It is, but we've. We've got ourselves a goal, and then even even second half ultimately one nil is enough to win you the game. I still think we can have more control in the game and and, and look more composed. And whether that's by drawing them out, and that's backing ourselves in possession, we didn't do that. We became frantic, we became nervy, we made poor decisions, and and frustration not only builds from our perspective, but it gives them more more hope um, and more ambition in the game and. Like I said, we made problems that we didn't make, need to make for ourselves. Now, there's crowds are going up every week. They're getting bigger and bigger. There's only a few games to go now. Till well, there's more than a few games, but you know, till, till the end of the season. You're on the cameras next week. Everyone's looking at you. Is it sometimes easier to play away from home? Do you think our record would say it is? Um, I don't think we play particularly different away from home. I'd suggest that when when you are playing away from home, maybe teams are obliged to have a little bit more of a go at you and be a little bit more ambitious in terms of how they want to want to play the game. Than maybe it's coming here, but um, on the on the on the flip side of that, we, we had that opportunity setting off away with a little bit more. Um, Aggressive and looking to go and get something, and we weren't good enough. Uh, or weren't good enough, certainly when we played through. The matter that we, we, like I said, we made poor decisions. Our, like I said, our record would suggest that away from home, we're in, we're in good form. We've got the best record in the league, and hopefully that will, will continue. But we know, regardless of what game you play, it's always going to be always going to be tough. You have to earn the right, and hopefully we can earn the right by um, getting goals early to to win the game for us. And last one for me. I, do you look at the other results around you? I know a lot of the teams around you have, uh, have won matches today. Uh, it was a good day on Tuesday, even though you didn't play. Do you, do you keep an eye on that? Yeah, you have to. I, I'm not, not, certainly not during the game. I don't keep an eye on, on, on what's going on. Um, but you always are, of a, I suppose, of a mindset that you take care of your business and then 
hopefully go inside and all the results have gone in your favour. Always get get nudged at half time around how things are going. I think today you look at you look at fixtures probably before the games kicked off, and you're probably not expecting many others to go in your in your favour if you like. Um, and and certainly you look at, at the Tuesday. I think Chester oh, Chester obviously play now, but they play Notts County on Tuesday. So there'll always be a um, I suppose a a conversation or a bit of speculation of what results suits us best ultimately we've got to look after look after us um, and if we look after us and get our three points and then come in and everything's gone in the favour in our favour I'll be a, a really really happy man rather than just a happy one and that was Dave Chagner and in hot pursuit of them at Chesterfield they managed to get a 1-0 win against Yeovil in the BT Sport game and it's a player you know well Rob Jim Kellerman he got a goal in first half stoppage time to ultimately get them the three points yeah, Jim Kellerman, to be fair, Luke, loves a goal in the TV game. I can remember him getting a late, late equaliser for Aldershot when they played Maidstone live on the TV. He scored one of the two goals when Aldershot won 2-0 at Dagenham. Uh, he's also had his difficult moments on TV, as he'll tell you about the uh, uh, the first leg of the playoff against Tranmere when, uh, when uh, he uh, unfortunately made a little bit of a mistake that led to their first goal and ultimately a 3-0 win that, that was to carry Tranmere through that playoff. But um, yeah, he, he, he he's a James Rowe signing, that's evident. Obviously, he was with, with Rowe at Aldershot, but uh, I think... And you could see it in the celebrations on Saturday. I think the other players in the Chesterfield squad really believe in Jim Kellerman and what he brings to them. He brings an energy. He brings you a little bit of something different. And he'll work so, so hard for the team as well. And it was great to see him have yet another uh, superb moment. Probably the best goal he scored on TV in front of the cameras yesterday. In third place, it is Boreham Wood. They're warming up for their midweek clash against Everton in the FA Cup. We wish them well. In that, but it was a, fa- a goal after five minutes by Tyrone Marsh that saw off easily, and I think that'll please Luke Garrard more than anything, won't it? The fact that they've not been distracted by this Everton game and have got the job done in the league. I, I've not heard his post-match, but he'll have been delighted they scored so early in what was always going to be, you know, one of those games where everyone's going to expect them to beat uh, an out of form easily. Uh, under temporary management, but uh, yeah, just it's a it's a pretty scrambled effort as well. But they got the goal in the fifth minute, and then Dicky, to quote you, if you were going to pick a team in the national league to uh, defend a one nil lead or, or to make sure that they don't concede, and, and and obviously from that point they knew that if they didn't concede, they'd win the match. Then you'd pick Boreham Wood. Uh, I know not the story of the game. I haven't caught the highlights, and uh, it might well have been a case of Boreham Wood should have scored two, three, four. I don't know, but uh, at the end of the day, Luke Garrard would snap your hand off for three points and a clean sheet every week. I think your uh, your quote came true, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, not surprised to see that really. But Boreham Wood needed that result a little bit. They've had one or two little wobbles lately, but um, obviously it's, it, it puts them into a good frame of mind going into that uh, that big game on Thursday against Everton, which will be on television, I'm sure we'll, a lot of us will be tuned in. In fourth place, it is Wrexham and, and Rob, you saw them at close quarters yesterday, didn't they, against Aldershot? Yep. Um, now, listen, in the past, I've been critical of Wrexham at times over recent years in terms of them not being anywhere near the finished article at this level as a team. Uh, Let me tell you, I've seen them play two and a half times this season. 
and against very different ways in which Aldershot have set up very open in the first game at the EBB and Wrexham trounced uh, Aldershot that day 5-0. That led to Aldershot's, you know, taking a long, hard look at themselves and making themselves very hard to beat and, you know, going uh, losing just one in the next 12. Well, it was that more resilient-based kind of Aldershot that went to, to Wrexham on Saturday and... Uh, you know, they found a way. They full of attacking intent from the off. It was the biggest crowd. I don't know. I didn't see what it was, but the biggest crowd I've been in, and the best atmosphere I've been in at the race course in my five or six visits. Um, I don't know how it was nil nil after twenty minutes. All the shot defa- uh, You know, defended bravely. Actually, they calmed the storm, and they had a little period themselves of five or ten minutes. A couple of little uh, half chances and uh, three corners. I think in the space of five minutes. And you just started to dare to dream and then bang, just as Aldershot got back in the game, Paul Mullin did what he does so well. He, he, he just a little ball into the right channel and he turned sharply, moved onto it. And it was an instinctive finish where he uh, he just took it first time and knocked it past uh, Dylan Barnes in the Aldershot goal. Um, then the second goal, I think, was an absolute, another little worldie to add to his collection from Jordan Davies, a quickly taken free kick. A free kick, that, in my opinion, shouldn't have been given against Mo Silla, but it was, and Wrexham was superb in the way they just shifted it quickly to Davies, and he let fly with a dipping volley, um, very similar to the one he had right on half-time that I think Dylan Barnes just tipped behind for a corner. Um, brilliant, brilliant goal from Davies. Uh, Ollie Palmer, the third part of that attacking trio that probably is unequalled at the moment in the National League, especially with Kabongo Shimanga out at Chesterfield. Um, Oli Palmer um, set up uh, brilliantly by McFadden, uh, scored. And then Mullin, really the fourth goal, put a bit of icing on the cake for Wrexham. It should never have been a goal. Mullin had a little bit of a speculative effort from 25 yards. And, and to be quite honest and quite frank, uh, I'd have expected my keeper in my Sunday morning team to have saved it. But uh, sadly, uh, something happened with it. I don't know. Um, and uh, Dylan Barnes, uh, uh, you know, he just went straight past his hands and, and into the net, um, a little bit like McAtee's goal up at Grimsby a couple of weeks earlier. So it's been a tough, tough start for the on-loan order shot keeper. A tough run for the shots at the minute, one point out of 10. And Wrexham, well, nothing but applause for them um, on the day. They were they they were quite superb and and, and worthy of a, a comfortable win against Aldershot. Dickie's uh Dickie's been doing some investigating. Apparently, there's eight thousand four hundred and seventy five inside the uh, the race course. Yeah, superb. And and to be fair, what I noted in commentary was that the fans did their bit before a ball was kicked. They created a party atmosphere. Let's not forget, Wrexham had waited a very, very long time to really let rip at home this season. Just 10 goals in their previous 11 home matches are quite staggering fact. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, less, less goals than games at the race course this season for the home side. But they've been waiting for that game and I think they sensed it. They sniffed it might be the day. Um, they really have turned round. Uh, their form against Aldershot, um, you know, in in the, in the last season or two, because uh, Aldershot were a bit of a bogey side for Wrexham. Uh, sadly, I can't say that any longer. And you caught up, didn't you, with Paul Mullen after the game? Quick word with uh, Paul Mullen. A uh, couple of goals against Aldershot today. Great to be 
back out there and uh, what 13 and 14 or whatever for the season now how many would you have had if you'd not had the two reds for <laughs> 15th of the season but um, hopefully a lot more but it's one of those things and it happens in football sometimes it happens like that and you can't control it um, so you've just got to keep your head down and work hard and like today I've worked hard all the time I've been out and come back firing and thankfully I've been able to do that but more importantly we've won the game and that's what we need to do now is keep winning games yeah two very different finishes I felt the first one looked really instinctive it's like they say the goals don't move as the ball come down you just turned onto it and, and, and just one touch just steered it straight in yeah it was a good goal the first goal um, just before that I missed the chance that I should score it's um, not good enough for me but to get the ch- a, couple, a chance a couple of minutes later was um, brilliant to obviously be able to uh, put it back back in the back of the net and then second half obviously the keepers played his part in that one for me but you take it another goal for the stats as the people say and um, just keep moving forward split second decisions in football isn't it I think you knew there were runners either side of you but you thought I might have a pop here and sometimes uh, it's the old saying isn't it if you don't if you don't buy a ticket you don't win the lottery do you yeah well as a centre forward I've come here to score goals and obviously if I miss JJ goes mad at me but that's the chance I'm willing to take because I back myself to um, put the ball away and obviously I didn't hit as clean as you like but it ended up in the goal so um, <laughs> I'll enjoy that one but yeah, you know, if, if it's a centre forward, if I get a chance, I'm going to shoot, and that's my job in the team to score goals. And thankfully, I've been able to do it this year and hoping for a lot more. How pleasing is it to uh, finally let the shackles off a little bit and get those second, third, and fourth goals in a in a home game for the wonderful supporters that have turned out a huge number? Yeah, it's massive. You know, I think that plays a part from all season. We had teams who sit in here, which is uh, hard to break down, but we've lacked patience in them games. And today, we've moved the ball really well. I think the possession stats are show the amount of passes we made. We've kept it really well, been patient, and in the end, they've tired and we've been able to open them up. And that was Paul Mullin, and obviously he's on a mission to become the, the top scorer in the division and help get Wrexham promoted. But there's lots of competition in that playoff places. It, the only team in the playoffs actually not to win were Solihull. They drew 1-1 against um, a rejuvenated, we could call them, Southend. They actually had to come from behind. Sam Dalby gave Southend the lead before Callum Maycock equalised. Halifax and Notts County both won as well there in the playoff positions. A really good win for both of those. Halifax won by a goal to nil against Barnet. And Niall Marr with the goal there. And Notts County won 2-0 away at Woking, thanks to goals from Ricardo Rodriguez and Elijah Sam, who seems to be out of the picture for a while, but he's back in it now. And uh, yeah, he's fired. they fired Notts County to victory. So the only... Well, I say the only manager will be disappointed will be Neil Adler, although you'd probably take a point at Southend the way it's going at the minute. But for the rest of the managers, all those in the playoff places, they'll be pretty pleased this morning, won't they? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I, I had a look you know, through the scores as you do, and I think that the number of 1-0 wins or, or narrow wins achieved by teams in the playoff places um, struck me yesterday, apart from obviously the, the, the Wrexham World Shot game, which, which Rob's talked us through. Um they might be narrow wins, but they're wins. And and I think that's, dare I say, all that matters at this stage of the season. I don't think any of those managers will um, necessarily be too bothered about the, the, the manner in which they get results, provided they get results. Just to add on the uh, South End and Solihull game, I think it's it typifies that scoreline, that result of what happens when two sides that have been on a sustained good run come together. Uh, they've generally been winning. When they don't win, they may find a way to make sure that they don't lose. And that's exactly what happened. And and both sides, although they've clashed there, you know, can continue their good runs. South End fans will dare to dream of the most spectacular comeback from a relegation fight to a playoff place. 
and technically, mathematically, it's possible. I think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, Solihull Moors, though, consolidate their position in the playoffs with that result. And, uh, you know, as one or two of those sides do consolidate their playoff positions, one team that really is starting to look that their hopes of making the playoffs are forlorn now, uh, you know, unless they come up with a tremendous run. And that's Dagenham and Redbridge. Mm. And uh, given the start that they had, um, I think uh, the result of the day yesterday for Altrincham are not totally safe yet. A 3-0 win against Dagenham. And, uh, you know, realistically, and I know I, I, I hate to sound like a vulture because we've had this conversation so many times, but I think we all agreed pretty much, didn't we, that this season Dagenham and Redbridge had to make the playoffs. Mm. Otherwise, surely the ambitious uh, American owners will, will look to another alternative other than Darren McMahon. Yeah, I thought it, I was I was going to move on to that, Rob, because you, you you read me mind because it's three defeats out of four now for Dagenham, and I was going to ask, do you think that's their playoff hopes over? Not mathematically, no, but they're going to have to finish the season now as well as they did last season, mm. um, which was quite brilliantly, wasn't it? Um, something somewhere, just there there is ability there, there is a lot of quality there as well, but for some reason. Um, and, and, and one of the reasons, by the way, might just be the sheer strength of this league. They can't put it together consistently, Dagenham, can they? Not over the course of a of a whole season. And, um, you know, they're, listen, they're not a massive club. They've had a fair tilt of it with the budget. I don't doubt that they're, they're a top 10 budget, aren't they, at Dagenham? Um, and I think the, the ambitious owners w- will have wanted more. And that, they were probably quite right to back McMahon to go again this season based on the really, really strong you know, final third to the season that Dagenham had last year. But I think they will be, uh, you know, questioning things again now. Dickie for Altrincham, though, it's uh, Phil Parkinson's tried a lot of players this year, but the three goal scorers were players that are tried and tested for him. Yeah, they were. And I mean, he's he's had to bring one of them back to the club after, after he left. Uh, Jordan Hume was one of their scorers yesterday. He got the second goal. He departed for AFC Foyle, but... Um, uh, AFC Fold have been doing something similar to Phil Parkinson in shuffling their pack a bit, trying to um, find the right combination up front. And it, it meant that Jordan Hume's been able to return to Altrincham, reunited with Josh Hancock. And they were really, really good pairing in National League North um, when they were together, powering them to promotion. And and yeah, Mooney came in at the, at the towards the end of their promotion season and just pepped that up on all three on uh, the score sheet yesterday, Mooney, Hume and Hancock. Um, uh, and it must have felt like the, 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 all, you know, the good old days were back at Altrincham yesterday. Um, you know, look at Dagenham, we've just mentioned there. They're nine points adrift now. And I think as, as much as Rob says that Dagenham and Redbridge aren't mathematically adrift, I think they are now into the territory, unfortunately, of needing those teams that are in their playoff places to slip. And none of those teams in the playoff places look like they are inclined to slip at the moment. And I think that's that's got to be the, the concern, really, is that as good a run as Dagenham and Redbridge can put together, they're also now relying on other people failing. Absolutely. And if any of those teams in the top seven do fail, uh, I think they're definitely behind the likes of Bromley and Grimsby in the queue um, to take a place. I think that's a couple of teams we've still got to look at. Uh, today, Lou. Yeah, Bromley didn't play, but Grinsby, they got a win away at Dover by three goals to one. Sean Pearson, uh, Tristan Abrahams, he got a goal there before Jake Goodman got one back for Dover. John McAtee got the third goal. 
there to wrap up the three points for Grimsby. Uh, a little bit further down the table, you had Torquay. They uh, they won they drew one one at Wheelstone. So slightly disappointing result for them. And do you think with Torquay? I know they were last year's playoff finalists. Rob, we were there in that dramatic game. Do you think they've got they have got a lot to do? Haven't they? Do you think it's a case of they've just got to get through to the end of the season and, and almost rebuild and go again? Yeah, I mean, looking at the table, looking at everything we know, I think Torquay are in a similar position to Dagenham now in that uh, it's not going to happen for them playoffs this season unless they put a fantastic run, you know, like 10 wins out of 12 games or, you know, something like that. Uh, and they stack up a lot of three-pointers back-to-back. Um, I thought it was a, a, a bit of the old uh, normal Gary Gary Johnson stuff late on yesterday. I was watching uh, the live score app as I was uh, returning from the long, long, long journey from Wrexham and uh, and I see Wildstone had led for a lot of that game and then Torquay got levelled, didn't they, around the 80-minute mark mm. and then uh, up popped a second goal, uh, I think 88 minutes and I thought, I don't believe it, he's done it again, but it was obviously uh, wiped out. Either that or somebody on uh, one of the score apps had a bit of an itchy uh, trigger finger. But... Um, yeah, it wasn't to be. I think it was almost a must-win for Torquay from a are we going to push for those playoffs point of view at Wealdstone yesterday. They are. It's always difficult to to get three points in the National League, and uh, you know I, I don't underestimate uh, going to Wealdstone to try and get three points. But it would have been probably one of the more winnable games for Torquay over the remainder of the same, uh, season as it looked on on paper. But um, another point, a decent point for Wealdstone. Uh, and let's make the point again with Wealdstone that success for this season is uh, once again maintaining their place in, in the National League. And they, they look pretty well placed to do so as we go into the running. And also considering Dick as well, they had to play that game behind closed doors as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I think there were some problems with um, uh, one of the crush barriers or, or the perimeter fencing that, that um, uh, meant that... Um, Basically, I think it came quite through late in the day. I think it was either on Thursday or Friday that the news came out that they were going to have to play um, that game behind closed doors, which, um, you know, that doesn't help Torquay. Their fans would have been expecting to go there and, and uh, you know, try and get behind their team and, and, and get them back into that playoff picture. But that, that didn't happen. Obviously, it's a, it's a blow for Wilston in that, you know, they've not only got to address the issue with the ground, which I'm sure they will, but, you know, they've lost out on um, a, a game's worth of income there. We, you know, it doesn't um, helpful when they're looking at their budget. You know, they'll have factored in for, um, was it 22 games this season? And effectively, they've only had uh, 21 with paying customers. And just a quick footnote on Wildstone. We'll try and call you Wildstone as much as we possibly can. The odd Wildstone does drop out. And I know that your fans hate it and we don't want to be met. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to be messed with the Wildstone Raider. Oh, God, no. We don't want him coming after us. Um, <laughs> you mentioned about, we talked a lot about Maidenhead last week, Robin, about how they tend to struggle against the lower teams and do well against the, the higher league teams. Well, for a period, uh, for about three minutes anyway, it looked like that may well happen. He fell behind to Kingsland. Gold Matoyo putting Kingsland ahead, but Dan Sparks and equalised three minutes later. Two goals from Josh Kelly had them 3-1 up before Ryan Upwood has them literally going upward now, Rob. Yeah, and I would imagine 
that would have basically been the team talk for Maidenhead yesterday, wouldn't it? Right. Everybody says you do it against the big boys and not the club struggling down at the wrong end of the table. Go and prove us wrong. And they didn't get the best start, as you said. But Josh Kelly, for me, this season, when you talk about impressions you've had of players previously and where they are now, that's the biggest upward curve for me. I now can fully, fully see with the goal he scored against Aldershot, with the goal he scored on TV, with the goals that he continues to score, that Josh Kelly is really, really hot property at Maidenhead. And uh, I think he's one of the names that's written himself into the National League team of the season already with a, a good couple of months still to go. He might well get in the England sea set up, mind you, which uh, obviously is in a month's time, isn't it, down in Wales? So he may well be on the radar of Mick Payne and Paul, Fair- uh, Paul Fairclough. Absolutely, he might. And it might even be across in Wales or up in Wales, depending on where you go into the game from. But I do appreciate your comment from up near Manchester, Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, we had a we had a good look uh, at our potential best non-league England 11s back at the time. One or two of those will have to change now. I mean, for example, someone we won't see up at uh, Carnarvon is uh, Kabongo Shimanga. Clearly, he's uh, under all sorts of uh, challenges to even try and make it back this season. I think that's unlikely. So he's certainly not going to be involved in a in an England non-league game. But there are some some wonderful players that grace this league. And I would I would make this boast now that I would I would say that pushing close to half of the England C team that we'll see play up at Carnarvon uh, in a month or so's time will be playing in the National League next season because that is the quality of the players that are gracing this league at the minute and are clearly destined for better things. So currently the bottom three are Weymouth, Kingsland and Dover. Aldershot are nine points clear of Weymouth. Are you are you sweating a bit, Rob, or are you, are you still quite comfortable? Well, look, look, the reality is it's a mathematical equation, isn't it? And despite Aldershot's wretched form, the one thing that has been a positive for them in the last week or so is that even though they've been really, really game and really competitive, Weymouth, in their games uh, um, at Bromley and at... Shit, remind me. Who did they play yesterday? Stockport. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start the answer again. I mean, one of the very few positives at the moment for Aldershot in a wretched run is the fact that Weymouth haven't been able to close the gap over the last week. And they've had a mighty good go at it, just only losing, uh, only drawing with uh, Bromley uh, and only losing, you know, by an own goal at Stockport. Uh, there's definitely positive signs at Weymouth. They have not thrown in the towel, but I think the fact that there's still nine points there is 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 making me feel slightly less uncomfortable, but I certainly don't think it's done. And if Aldershot can't find a little bit, um, a little bit of form similar to what they had in that uh, resilient run recently, then uh, they could yet find themselves in trouble. Yeah, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, have a great footballing week, everybody. Enjoy the midweek games if you're going. Good luck to Boreham Wood mm. in the FA Cup up at Everton. Yeah, so Rob's got a shoot off. Uh, Ian Herring will be joining us later on to look at the South Division, but uh, we're going to look at the North next. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply... quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. 
If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. So in the National League North, it was top versus bottom, wasn't it? And, uh, well, it's basically the form, but was it wasn't just ripped up, it was torn apart, wasn't it? Yeah, there was some upsets yesterday uh, in National League North. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for the biggest one, it, it has to be Fosley Celtic uh, beating Kidderminster Harriers 2-1. I mean, Fosley, bottom of the table at the start of the day, Kidderminster in third and obviously off the back of their FA Cup run and, and terrific um, run of form in the league might have expected to to go there and collect the three points, but it wasn't made easy for them. Um, Jimmy Spencer put Farsley into a, a lead at half-time. Um, no, that's not true. Actually, Ashley Hemmings leveled from the penalty spot just before half-time, so it was one each at the interval. But yeah, another penalty awarded in the second half handball by Nathan Cameron. Will Hayhurst uh, put the penalty away and Farsley held on to win 2-1. Two, two late red cards in that game as well. Uh, Chris Atkinson picking up a second booking for Farsley and Joe Folks of uh, Harry is doing exactly the same. So both sides finished with 10 men. Yeah, you said they're still top. Uh, they face your side, Dickie, and, and could only come away with a draw in the end, but they are still four points clear of Brackley. Yeah, they did. Uh, uh, Brackley uh, didn't have a game in midweek, so they've got a, a game in hand and we'll touch on their result again shortly. But it was just a point for Gateshead yesterday. Um, Byron Moore gave Telford uh, a lead in the 14th minute and it took uh, an Owen Bailey header 20 minutes from time to uh, get a point for Gate said their leads cut to four points and Brackley have two games in hand now. So um, they had a 3-0 win over Bradford Park Avenue yesterday. Left it late, but got it done in the end. Jimmy Armson gave them the lead. I think that all the goals came in the final 20 minutes or so of the game. Um, Gareth Dean then added the second on 82 minutes. And Max Deutsch, son of Burnley boss Sean, who's on loan at Brackley from Northampton Town, he headed in the third to clinch the victory. I wonder if he's got a gravelly voice like his dad. We'll have to get into <laughs> I expect with so. Him. <laughs> um, the biggest game with the biggest intrigue, uh, Dickie was, was bossing against Kettering. Paul Cotts, of course, left Kettering around a month ago to go and manage Boston. They since got in Ian Culverhouse, and it was an eventful day, wasn't it? Oh, the, the, there was so much going on in this game. Um, it, yes, you could have teed this up as potentially one of the games of the day, although I think Southport, Hereford in the playoff places, you know, would would have also had a claim for that one. But yeah, a hugely eventful Um game at the Jakeman's Community Stadium yesterday. Um, as you say, Paul Cox, he left Kettering um, probably no more than a few weeks ago to take over the manager's role at Boston. Um, Kettering fans weren't keen to let him forget that one. There was inflatable snakes taken to the game to wave him yesterday as a, just a reminder of perhaps what they thought of him. Um, Boston lost at Kidderminster in midweek, so they needed uh, to, to try and bounce back from that. And, and Kettering themselves were held 2-2 in midweek by Telford as well. So they were keen for the win. Four red cards in this game, but we'll start with the goals. Scott Pollock put Pilgrims ahead, but then before halftime, replies from Callum Stead and Connor Johnson had Kettering in the lead. Keenan Ferguson levelled in the 68th minute, but that's pretty much where things then started to go a bit crazy. Johnson was dismissed for a second yellow card, so Kettering went down to 10. Luke Shields scored what proved to be the winner in the 81st minute, but then in injury time, Kettering's Gary Storer was dismissed, a straight red card. Um, 
Kettering assistant Paul Bastock, who actually has an executive box named after him at the new Jakeman's Community Stadium because of the, 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 the legendary service he gave to Boston over the years. He was then sent off for two yellow cards, two shows of dissent towards the referee in short order after that store of dismissal. Coach Joe Simpson, he was then sent off as well. That's the card count up to four. There was still time in the eighth minute of injury time for Tom Platt to head uh, a, a Kettering effort off his lone line to save uh, uh, the, all three points for Boston. The nine men of Kettering almost forcing a draw. But uh, yeah, ultimately, I think it was the referee's performance that, that drew a lot of criticism. Paul, um, sorry, Ian Culverhouse, after the game, describing him as a fiasco, basically said he felt that the game was too big for him. But a really important three points for Boston um, keeps... Well, Kettering is still in touch with the playoff places as well, but yeah, a, a hugely eventful game. Yeah, as you mentioned there in the in the playoff places, uh, Hereford took on Southport and Southport bounced back. They had a surprise defeat last week, didn't they? But they, uh, they, they've had a good win at Inform Hereford. Yeah, both teams lost in midweek. Uh, Southport's probably the more surprising. They went down 3-2 at home to Blythe Spartans, while um, Hereford lost 3-0 at Curzon Ashton. Just one goal in it yesterday. Charlie Oliver's 49th-minute penalty was ultimately the difference. But maybe that's not the whole story because there was another penalty in the game. There were a few penalties around in yesterday's matches. Um, Mazia Kuyar had his 80th-minute penalty saved by Southport's Cam Mason. Um, and that preserved the win for Southport. That actually moves them up into fifth, Hereford stay in seventh. York, Dickie, they're quietly moving into the playoffs. Now, there's, there's always a lot of fuss around York, but everything seems to have calmed down there a little bit. The, the fans seem to be getting behind the team, and, and they're starting to show it on the pitch, aren't they? I think so. I mean, there, there's still, you know, uh, some off-field discomfort, disquiet, um, what discord, whatever you want to call it, at, at York. But on the field, they do seem to be getting it done. Um, they were helped very much yesterday by a, a straight red card for um, Geisley's Prince Ekpolo after just seven minutes of the game, giving York um, a numerical advantage. Paddy McLaughlin put them into the lead and then um, two goals from Mitch Hancock's in the second half, just a minute apart, um, put this one to bed. Hancock's is, is on loan from Hereford and he's been a terrific addition to the side by John Askey. York in 11th, but just two points off the playoffs and they do have games in hand as well. So um, they will, I think when Askey came in, he was tasked with, you know, still getting York into the playoffs and they're still in touch. So um, yeah, things are, are starting to move in the right direction for them. Yeah, as you say there, Dickie, they've got at least three games in hand on most of the teams above them. They're only two points off the playoffs as well. So um, it's still on for them. And uh, they've won four of the last five as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there are a number of sides who, who, who will still fancy their chances. I mean, um, AFC Fold, we've not mentioned them. They had a 2-0 win away at Blyth Spartans yesterday. Um, new signing Mark Cullen got one of their goals. He joined them in midweek from Hartlepool. Um, Toby Lees of Blyth got sent off, conceding a penalty in the 87th minute, and Nick Horton made that one safe. Surely a slipping out of the playoff picture a little bit, but one of the teams that's moving into it potentially are, are the side that beat them yesterday, Darlington. Darlington um, won 2-1 at Fylde in midweek. That was probably the midweek surprise result. And they followed up with a 3-0 win over Chorley yesterday. Goals from Tyrone O'Neill, Jarrett Rivers and Will Hatfields means that Darlington are just four points off the playoffs in 12th place and they may still fancy their chances. I'm sure, absolutely sure that they will. 
Yeah, in midweek, I saw Leamington play away at Bradford Park Avenue. They lost by two goals to one. They were two nil down after just 14 minutes. A bit of a disappointment for Leamington manager Paul Hollering, who I caught up with after the game. So, Paul, a 2-1 defeat here in the end, it, it kind of was lost almost in the first 15 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, obviously Bradford have come out and at a real good pace to the game um, and, and really listen you know they'll be pleased with that it, it's probably similar to what we did to Chorley last week and we looked we looked off the pace we lost too many sort of individual areas and duels and you know, you know the first, they blew us away the first 15 minutes which was disappointing coming away from home in this league we, we you know we've got more than enough to, to deal with that um, we gradually grew, grew into the game um, and finished the first half better. Yeah, but it was a disappointing start from us. Yeah, because you've obviously had a decent season again, haven't you? You're probably looking to build and push on towards the end of the season and a bit of a setback for you. Yeah, I, I think you know, we had a really difficult December, January for different reasons. Got a few bodies back now. Last three, four performances have been promising. Tonight's been promising for probably 75 minutes. Um, but, but, but sadly, the, the, the disappointing thing is that we've... Sort of little things we thought of been trying to get out of our game recently. It was probably that first fifteen minutes where we've we've made mistakes and we've started slower. Um, and yeah, you, you, you're probably right. What you're saying there, Luke. That the probably the you know there's twelve, thirteen games to go, and we, we really you know we, we've got we've got something to work with, mm. and we, we want to try and get as many points on the board as we can and finish stronger. Um, and for all our effort and endeavour and opportunity, second half we just we couldn't get that second goal. And you're coming up towards a milestone, nearly up to uh, 600 games now, is it, for Leamington? <laughs> I don't, yeah, it can't be far away, yeah, yeah. Many more, uh, uh, many more starts like that, I won't get there. But now, yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's sometime this year, I think, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying sure to getting another cake, I should think. I think you're on 593, I think oh, right, okay. out. So I think right. you've got six or seven yeah, before yeah. you reach the 600. So oh, lovely, yeah. yeah it's yeah. been, uh, no, it's been a, a, a rollercoaster for you at the club, I suppose, though, hasn't it? It's been great, yeah, but I look at the club now where we are now, on and off the pitch, and take a lot of pride in that really we're um, you know we're a, we're a good model for people to look and probably go listen you obviously need some financial backing but it's been a steady progress on and off uh, we've stayed within our means um, we've brought a lot of good young players through and we've been able to maintain a really really good level of football the, the north this year is as strong as it's probably ever been um, you've got to work hard for every point you get so now it's it's it asks a lot of questions of you, but um, so enjoying every minute. Do you um, do you enjoy the challenge of going out finding new players? Obviously, you you've had the likes of Colby Bishop and Josh March go. Do you enjoy kind of rebuilding and bringing in someone else who can maybe help up to the football league? Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably part of our model, really, that we, as well as having our, we've got lots of players that played lots of games for us and good players. But we're always looking for them ones that we can give an opportunity to play at this level. And you can see at the moment there's probably Meredith, there's Kelsey, there's Dan Turner, young boys that have first time they play consistently at this level. And you know you give them the platform and encourage them to do the right things. And you know if they, um, you know at this level, you know what, you know once you've had a good season at this level, then you, your next move's full time. So yeah, it's something that I think it's something that um, it's been it's great when you see some of the boys. You know where you pick them up from and where they are now, and uh, we've got one or two more here. Um, and listen, the national leagues are great. Um, 
It's a great breeding ground. For, you've seen how many players from the north have gone into full time in January. It's a great place to come and play football and get yourself going again. Well, he would have been a lot happier, wouldn't he, uh, on Saturday. They, they brushed aside Chester in the end. They were maybe heading into a bit of trouble. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Chester, I've, I've made some, some obviously my notes here about Chester since Steve Watson took over. The, the, this was far too routine a victory for Leamington if you're a Chester fan. It was a, a, a 3-0 and Dan Turner uh, put Leamington to the lead in the 18th minute. Goals in the second half from their talisman Jack Edwards and Kelsey Mooney made this one safe. But yeah, Chester, I mean, they lost 2-0 at home to Spennymore in midweek, which would have been a result that rankled given that Spennymore are managed by their old managers, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley. Um, Chester in 17th. They're only seven points ahead of Telford and Farsley, who were the two teams tied on 21 points in in, in the relegation position. I'm, now, I'm not suggesting that I think Chester are necessarily in a relegation battle, but their form under Steve Watson isn't fantastic. They've played 12 games in the league since he came in, won two, drawn three, lost seven. That was their fourth defeat in this on the spin yesterday. Um, and I think you know, it's pretty obvious that Steve Watson has got a huge rebuilding job to do in the summer. Probably the least eventful of the game of the day was Gloucester against Spennymore, which ended nil-nil. Yes, it did. Uh, Spennymore would have wanted to follow up the, that that win at Chester in midweek, but, but were held to a goalless draw by Gloucester. Spennymore in 14th. Uh, Gloucester in 19th. They're still not clear of relegation danger yet. Um, but I was going to say that perhaps the the, the the bit of bite around this fixture was the presence of Matt McClure in the Gloucester lineup. There was um, there's still a lot of friction between, I think, the fans of these two sides, given that uh, McClure is alleged to have bitten former Moors player Brad Abbott, who incidentally has gone back to Boston United. Um, when these teams met in December, McClure was named in the lineup by Lee Mansell, but um, withdrew from the starting lineup before kickoff, replaced by Lucas Tomlinson. Um, and yeah, this one played out into a goalless draw. Well, joining us now to look at the National League South, as I mentioned, it is former Hungerford Town manager Ian Herring. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Luke. And uh, it was a really interesting day in the National League South. The big game, wasn't it? It was Darkin against Maidstone and Mark White's team came out on top. Yeah, um, great result for them. I think the last time I spoke to you, I think Dorkin were were sort of down in ninth and um, what a difference a few weeks can make. Um, I went to watch them against Billericay not so long ago and um, I was extremely impressed with them and um, that result doesn't surprise me one bit. So um, Mark would be delighted. He's doing a good job and um, coming into the last quarter of the season, um, they're sat in a good position. Yeah, I know Hakan Hareton was slightly disappointed with the... um... With the goal they conceded, but at the end of the day, we're still pretty pleased with, with how it's going. And, and Maidstone, are, they're going to be a force, aren't they? Certainly if it is the playoffs as, it, as it's looking currently. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, they're a full-time side. Um, if they can get any of their playoffs, they'll obviously still harbour ambitions of, of winning the league. But if it should be playoffs, then... That home support of theirs, if they can get their games at home, then, um, yeah, they'll be a match for any side. Yeah, six points behind Darkin with a game in hand. We're hoping to have Darkin manager Mark White on the show next week, so stay tuned for that. In third place, it's Oxford City. They are still up there, and they got a good win away at Chelmsford. And We talked about it last week, Ian, but... They've dealt with the the, um, the loss of David Oldfield to Weymouth really well, haven't they? It hasn't really rocked the boat as people might have thought. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the the I think it's Andy Ballard, and I'm not sure who's helping him. That um, that have sort of uh, uh, interim managers, and um, I've said to you before, so it's a well-run club. Justin Merritt behind the scenes does great stuff there. Um, they they had their, they've obviously applied for um, had adverts out for applications, but the the two guys in charge at the moment. I, I, I'm pretty sure will be interested in the job and um, they're certainly staking a claim. Um, went 1-0 down against Chelmsford and um, come back to win 2-1. It's, um, it's, a, it's a good result for them. Yeah, Zach McEachern, brother of Josh, got the winner there. I've seen Phil Brown linked with the Oxford City job as well. I mean, that would be, do you think that would be the right appointment for them? Madness in my eyes. Um <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good young managers out and, and I get a bit out there and if you've only got to look up at the National League people like Luke Garrard what he's doing why people like that aren't um, aren't taken by football league clubs is, is beyond me and um, likewise there'll be managers in step three step four um, that, that should be that know the league know local areas and um, should be given an opportunity at, at, at um, clubs like Oxford Dartford, they are in fourth, but they didn't play on Saturday, but they did suffer defeat during the week to Hungerford. Yes, they yeah. did, yeah. yeah. Hungerford, um, can't remember the score. A 2-1, I think it was, 2-0 up and come back. They, Dartford scored towards the end to make it an early finish. Um, but yeah, Hungerford, another home win, which mm-hmm. they got um, yesterday again as well. Yeah, 1-0 over Concord there, and Ryan Seeger, in amongst the goals, and he he'll be he'll be going for the golden boot in National League South, won't he? Yeah, definitely. He's um, I think that's twenty for the season for him now. It's um, it's frightening, really. Um, they're, they're the hardest thing to find goal scorers, and not only find, keep hold of. You've only got to look at um, clubs like Haven. He took Joe Ficano from um, St Albans a couple of seasons ago. Um, they get snapped up, but I believe he's been signed up to another another two year deal. So it's good work from Hungerwood, good uh, Hungerford, good work from um, Ryan Seeger, and their home form's pretty frightening, to be honest. I think they've just set a uh, set a league rec- uh, their own record of five home wins in a row. So um, they're there or thereabouts in the playoffs, and I'm sure they'll look for a strong end to the season. Yeah, the three teams in the final three playoff places all won. Evsfleet, Dulwich and St Albans and St Albans had the most dramatic win they left it late they were 2-0 up early on against Bath and um, before Cook and Alex Fletcher got them level before half time but John Goddard got the winner in the last minute uh, to give them all three points Dulwich Hamlet beat Braintree by a goal to nil Daryl McQueen on the score sheet there and Ebsley had a pretty routine win over another team who were in the playoffs, Eastbourne Borough. So that's the probably the, uh, the eye-catching result out with a three. Uh, Craig, Tenner, Craig Tanner and Dominic Polion with the goals there. So everyone, apart from Maidstone, won on Saturday in the, in the top seven, which is, is good, really, because it maintains that momentum, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean... We've sort of discussed it before that it keeps the season going for longer for a longer period for a lot of teams with the playoffs going down to down to seven places. I mean, if you look at the the middle of the table, teams like Slough on thirty five points, they've sort of had a tough season. But with twelve games to go, if you can get on a little run, 
Um, there's no reason why you can't nick in nick in those playoffs and have momentum to to go in there and and possibly go on and and win them. I remember quite a few years ago when it was the Blue Square, um, Blue Square Premier Bath City won ten 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 games on the spin. Their last ten games snuck into the playoffs on the last day of the season and won them and went up. So um, so yeah, there's there's still a lot of football to 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 go and um, I think one or two might drop out of those playoff places. Yeah, I think Slough are realistically the last team you can look at maybe say that they're the last sort of playoff contender to nine points off it. Like you say, a good little run and, and and who knows who knows what can happen. They got a draw against Haven at Waterlooville on Saturday. Haven at Waterlooville again, who kind of they're a team who've really sort of underachieved, do you think, this year? Yeah, massively. Um I'd never really spoken about budgets and stuff like that, but I think it's it's pretty obvious that they're they're splashing a bit of cash and um I'm sure they'll be disappointed with where they are on the table. They signed um Alfie Whittenham on loan, mm. who scored. We signed him from Haven't, so he he's gone full circle and he's back there. It's good to see him on the score sheet. Um Slough is a tough place to go and they're a hard team to break down, so one or doesn't surprise me, but haven't will be disappointed this season. A team um, Tom mentioned last week, and he's really been really surprised by a Hemel Hempstead. They they won again on Saturday. They won two on away at Welling. They had to come from behind to do it. They left it late. They were one 0 down with twenty minutes to go before Josh Nembard got the equaliser and Dan Wishart got the got the winner a minute from time. And again, are they a team that's kind of surprised you? Um, not, <clears throat> I'd say not really, because when Mark Jones got the job, I think I'd, I've spoke to you previously that um, he's a very good manager. He knows what he's doing and, and, and the start they've had and where they are now, he's done an exceptional job. And if they can continue that, then there's no reason why they can't sort of harbour ambitions to nip, nip in those playoff places. So, um, no, when Mark got the job, like I say, he, he knows his stuff. He knows the level. He's done an excellent job at Oxford City. And um, yeah, they're, they're doing very, very well after considering the start they had. Down at the bottom, Tunbridge, big win for them. They beat Bill Ricky by two goals to nil. That means nine points clear now of that bottom spot. And Steve McKim, you, you know him really well. He deserves all the plaudits. What he's done in the FA Trophy this year. They lost on penalties to Bromley. They, they ran them really, really close. Uh, it's maybe made the league form suffer a little bit, but now they can concentrate on having a strong end to the season, can't they? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, with one going down this year, it's, um, it's, it's important to stay in the league and try to, for a team like Tunbridge. Probably not going to go down, so I'm sure they'll have an eye on next year because obviously the, there's more teams in the league and I think it's four teams going down next year. So next year, the proof will be in the pudding and, and they'll have an eye on next year, preparing for that and um, hopefully finish the league strongly and... Um, take that momentum into next season but this I think it's their second year in the league now they're, they're starting to try and establish themselves so he, he's doing again with a with a lower budget you'd say he's doing a really good job there at Tunbridge Yeah Tommy Wood with both goals there he's been quite prolific for them over recent weeks um, Brill well Ian thanks for joining us No problem Pleasure Luke
Thanks again to Dickie. I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you for listening in this week to NL Full Time. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to us as well via all good podcasting platforms and leave us a like and a review as well. Until then, have a great week and we'll see you all very soon.